Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today with me is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Always good to hear from Chris. Uh, so, Chris, why don't we just jump right into things and talk a bit about unemployment? Uh, so, we have seen unemployment claims they continue to remain stubbornly high. They've ranged uh, from about 870,000 to 890,000 in the last few weeks. And continuing claims are experiencing a negligible improvement week over week. We saw them fall about 12.7 million, only down to 12.6 million in the current week. So, um, and, you know, as, as we talked at, at length here on the podcast, we know an important improvement in empl- employment is to maintaining the economic recovery. Uh, so your question to start off here today, is, you know, is there anything on the horizon that's going to materially impact these statistics in the near future? Yeah, you know, unfortunately there is, but it's not necessarily positive. Uh, even the improvement we saw at the last week of August from over a million a week to high 800,000 a week, that was really driven by a methodology change with how they're being calculated. And so while we haven't seen any improvement in the last three weeks, the reality is we probably haven't seen any improvement in the last five to six weeks. Um, But we are coming up on the 27th week of a lot of these unemployment claims. And unfortunately, that means benefits are going to start to expire. And so I do think we'll start to see some improvement. It may not necessarily be indicative of an improvement in job outlooks. Um, Certainly a a portion of it will be, and nor do I think it'll just be a collapse as uh, benefit eligibility is exhausted because there was such a delay in processing claims that that eligibility will likely continue for a few more weeks. But yeah, I think we may start seeing a, a material increase in the headline numbers, but not for the reasons we want to see. It just, to me, just remains incredible that uh, Congress can sit in Washington and kind of dither and and worry about politics when legitimately there's a lot of families that are really hurting and and it's only set to get worse. And you mentioned families hurting and benefits expiring. Do you think that between now and the election, or do you think this is something that's probably post-election, but um, a secondary or, I guess, a, 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 a further uh, stimulus package uh, coming up to uh, the economy? Uh, it, I, I don't know how they can wait till after the election. I mean, I, I really think it's that dire for a lot of households, uh, and it's just a question of when it starts to impacting polling. And, you know, we've seen that. Um, you know, politicians don't have our interest in mind. They certainly have their interests. So when the lack of stimulus begins to impact their interest personally, then they'll react. Until then, uh, we're on the political calendar, and I certainly hope that it's not after the election. Okay. Well, uh, you know, perhaps you know some of this is, is leading to the, the increased volatility that we've experienced in the last you know three or four weeks, and. Um, but, you know, one of the surprising things is, you know, we've seen earnings results. They continue to exceed expectations. Um, interest rates remain at, at low levels. And the housing market is, is ripping, right? We've seen that, that booming along. So, yeah, do, do you think this volatility is consistent with the underlying economic conditions and, and the trajectory of the recovery? Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm not too surprised. Uh, I think there's a couple of things uh, going on with the volatility, some just having to do with the fundamentals of the market and the nature of the market. But we are seeing 
the beginnings of some divergence in the leading indicators uh, of the trajectory of the recovery. While the industrial side of the recovery continues at a brisk pace, as you mentioned, housing activity, mainly purchasing, not necessarily production of new homes, but the purchasing of homes that continues at a strong pace. We're starting to see the very beginnings of consumer spending level out. Um, and we actually saw this prior to the loss of the uh, extra unemployment benefits. So there's more to it than just uh, the expiration of, of those extra benefits. Now, a lot of it could be that we had a lot of pent-up demand, and as we reopened the economy, we exhausted that demand. So we're going to level off to maybe a lower level of growth or plateau at an elevated level. Um, and that would certainly be the, the bullish scenario. But we are starting to see the potential for a divergence between consumer spending. And as we've said, the services side of the economy in this recession was hit unusually hard. And that's where that consumer income and consumer spending is, is very important. And if it is, in fact, going to roll back over and have a growth downturn in consumer spending, then that would certainly threaten the recovery. And that could be with the market starting to discount. There's no question the market was expecting stimulus. I mean, like I said, it's unfathomable that we haven't found a way to pass some form of stimulus. Um, and so I think the market coming into this period of time just assumed, well, we would get something and we hadn't. So I'm sure that's causing a little bit of consternation as well. And the interesting thing about the strong housing market is when you look at supply supply of, of, of days of homes for sale, we're at all-time lows. We're inside three months, which means um, it's about as good as it can get. Uh, we really do need to boost the supply of homes. We're not going to do a lot more by, by continuing to low interest rates on the margin, but it also means the relief valve is priced, and we've seen very strong home prices in the areas where demand is picked up, and the only issue with that is when you have a spike in price, that's how you balance the market, which means you're going to have a slowdown in activity. So we've seen really strong numbers out of the home builders recently. We've seen the stocks sell off in response to that. Some of that is just they ran up ahead of the announcement. Everybody knew they were going to be strong. But the other part of that is you get to the point where it can be too strong, and if price moves up too quickly, it kind of chokes off its own recovery and we're getting near the conditions for that to occur. So there are some reasons for the market to kind of digest and, and have some volatility here. Yeah. And, you know, speaking about, you know, the, the rates and, and touch on the Fed, um, you know, Chairman Powell, he came out in his press conference and, and reiterated his strong support for risk assets in the economy. Um, but then he also um, mentioned allowing inflation to, to overshoot, right, rather than a hard target. So, you know, what, what's your take on, on Chairman Powell's comments and is the Fed's role uh, in supporting the markets changing? Yeah, I think the Fed's role is changing, but not because they want it to. I think it's changing because of the effectiveness of the tools they currently have in place. So what I mean by that is, you know, QE was a very stimulative element for risk assets. Uh, from 09 all the way up until we went into quantitative tightening. But the reason it was is that the bulk of the QE didn't actually go in to fund any real spending or deficits. So that money laid idle within risk assets. 
it's very different now. Deficits have gotten large enough, and I think they're going to continue to expand at an accelerated rate, in which case the quantitative easing is really going just to support federal spending and economic activity and therefore is not going to be stimulative necessarily to risk assets. And if so, it's on a kind of a second derivative basis. And so in that sense, the ability of the Fed to impact uh, risk assets, primarily equities, is going to be somewhat diminished. That, on top of, once you execute a QE program, if you want to have an impact going forward, you have to keep ramping it up, right? So it, it's, you know, you think of it as an addiction. And, you know, while one hit did wonders for you, once you get accustomed to the one hit, you're going to need two. QE works in a similar fashion. So in that sense, the Fed has really exhausted the tools it has. I wouldn't expect to see a big significant increase in QE outside of a broadening in deficits or significant dislocations in risk assets and in markets, and, and they, they're needing to step in to stabilize probably an illiquid condition. And so at this stage, you know, it is all, and I think Powell made this blatantly obvious, it is all up to Congress and fiscal spending if they want to drive a healing of the market. It doesn't mean it's the right long-term solution, but it is the politically expedient and the short-term solution. We would certainly be infinitely better off if both the Fed and Congress stood down and we were able to clear markets and allow uh, capital to go to its highest and best use. But we've long since crossed that line. So, um, I do think it was an important uh, press conference in that regard because it's pretty clear the Fed run out of bullets. I do think they'll have other tools in the future. They've talked about setting up accounts directly with individuals and, and deploying digital currency, um, and I, I will not be surprised for that to occur in the in the uh, in the immediate term, intermediate term. Uh, but there again, that's just more control over the economy, less efficiency, less productivity, and, and more distortions. Right, right. And, and the theme that you've described, you know, several times on our podcast is, you know, it's more of a heavy hand. Um, yep. You talk about the uh, the healing of the markets, and, and I think that's, you know, great to just talk about a bit what we've seen um, of late, right? And, and, you know, the market is continues to remain volatile. Uh, we've had a seasonally weak period. And we've seen key reversals in market leadership, right? And, and just if I look at you know, some of the names that have that have really taken off throughout the course of 2020, right? Apple's corrected now uh, north of 20%. Tesla's down, again, north of 20%. We've seen gold fall, actually 20% gold's falling, 10%. Um, plus, so, you know, what's, what's your takeaway regarding the nature of this correction? And, and what are you monitoring to determine uh, when this correction is, is, is finalized or over? Yeah, I, and I, I do... I think the key question we're going to have to answer was a lot of the leadership in the market, you know, whether it's the Teslas and the Apples of the world, was driven by a lot of what I would call speculative momentum purchases. So, you know, certainly we saw a significant number of new accounts open. People had time on their hands and they had to sit there accounts. And so we've seen a pickup in kind of what I'd call day trading activity, uh, especially with the use of options and, and just chasing momentum names. And at the same time, 
the bulk of the algorithmic trading. I know everybody says they have a sophisticated algo, uh, but quite frankly, it, it's pretty much all momentum-based, and a lot of the hedge-levered players are pretty much momentum traders. And so that kind of is feeding on itself, and we got this frenzied uh, activity over the last, I'd call, six to eight weeks that certainly seems to have peaked on an intermediate basis uh, or near-term basis. To the extent that was a true blow-off top in the momentum names, uh, then we clearly have further to go. Uh, what I'm watching is, and I think the number one key in all of this as far as what drove the nature and, and where money went and the positioning is the dollar. And so the dollar is still in its downtrend. Um, there's lots of ways to look at the dollar. If you just look at the Dixie, which is probably the least diversified way, but one that many have access to, you know, if we can stay below 95, then we really haven't violated the current downtrend that we're in. If we really see the dollar poke through 95, um, I think that's going to be a problem. The market had really positioned itself for what I would call this reflationary trade, a weaker dollar, uh, a modest rotation, not into deep value, but there would be some reflationary characteristics to it. And so those are the trades that were put on. Now we're seeing that unwind. We haven't seen anything that says that those trends are broken, but we're right on the cusp to where the market would start to signal, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a regime shift. So that's what to kind of monitor from a price standpoint. From an internal standpoint, I, I continue to watch volatility. And we need volatility across the board to fall uh, into a lower regime. Gold volatility still remains very well behaved. Oil is still very elevated. Uh, the broad U.S. equities is still very elevated. Uh, the NASDAQ vol is still very elevated. You know, briefly, uh, so we're recording this on, on Thursday the 24th. Uh, you know, the 21st through 22nd, we saw some fairly positive indicators within vol that looked like even when the market was selling off earlier in the week, vol was coming in, which is kind of signal for a bottoming process. Um, and so that was positive, and we even got decent volume that day and we got a reversal towards later in the day. Uh, unfortunately, on Wednesday, the 23rd, when we're really set up for the VIX to come in, cross through some key thresholds, and go into a more stable vol regime, which would allow the market to kind of regather its feet and create stability that then we could move higher again, NASDAQ vol exploded. Um, and since that's been the leadership in the market, uh, you know, that, that really triggered the sell-off more broadly. Um, you know, even early in the uh, sell-off and in in, from the recent highs, you know, just in the first couple of weeks, a lot of the players weren't buying protection. They were actually buying the dip, so they got longer. So we still need to go through and see, I think, some element of fear um, otherwise, we really haven't transitioned to strong hands, and we, we may remain choppy for a while. So really watch your vol signals right now and watch the dollar. A reversal in the dollar 
and then some stability involved, get the VIX back through 26. I see, you know, key leadership like Apple. Apple Vol needs to fall further. If I saw that, I would say, hey, we're getting towards the end of this correction. But we need to be realistic about where we are. Seasonally weak period. October is when you can have some really significant sell-offs. Not saying we are. Maybe we're experiencing that in September. But we know the the, the the issues we have upcoming with the election and the chances for a contested election. And I can't stress enough, we need Congress to act to stabilize ep- economic activity in the private sector. Um, otherwise, I think volatility is going to be with us. Right. I just want to follow up to, to the dollar. Um, you know, as, you, as you mentioned, you know, dollar is still in the downtrend. Um, then you talk about you know the NASDAQ volatility exploding. Um, We've seen some of the really high PE growth names take a step back. We've, we've seen international um, do really quite well, had a really nice bounce back, not only you know the last, of course, six months as, as most uh, asset classes have, but you know more recently in, in, in the third quarter here. So, uh, you know, I think I'm kind of sticking the thread through the needle here for you already. But you know, would you say that the, all these are, are interconnected, and would you expect to see these trends continue if we, we, we see the dollar um, step down again in, in a cycle as you described? Yeah, no, I I think that's right. So if we see the dollar break down again, then I think we're going to go right back to our prior leadership. Uh, it will broaden out. I mean, if we really get the sustained break in the dollar lower, because you're going to start to see a, a broader reflationary impulse. But keep in mind, if that comes without a stimulus package, it's not going to be reflation. It's going to be stagflation. Um, so, you know, the bombed out energy sector may finally catch a bid and it may come at the expense of some of the consumer leadership that we've seen. So it, it you know, as we know, you know, when you bounce off the bottom, the easy money's been made. It, it's definitely going to be more difficult from here. Right. Good. All right. Good. Well, Chris, I think that's a great place to wrap for the day. So you know, thank you uh, very much you for joining us today and we'll look forward to having you on again here soon. So thanks. Enjoy the day. We'll catch you again. You bet. Sounds good, Dan. Take care. Bye. Bye.